0: When two friends are driving through Florida, they have no idea they're about to have a close encounter of the turned kind. And then we travel to the home of a grieving sister. After her older brother passed away in 2021, she's had a lot of pent-up feelings of remorse and anger at the entire situation. But just when she might be working on putting the pieces back together and moving on, from beyond the nether, her brother begins to scream. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. I think I'm going to check out that new M. Night Shyamalan movie. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to roll the dice. It's always a roll of the dice. It's always a gamble checking out that guy's films. I'm going to check out the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. Um, we'll see how it is. We'll see if I come back next week with a Dead Rabbit Recommends. But someone who I always will recommend walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Vince Garcia Velasquez. Woohoo! yeah, walk on it. Come on, in. no spoilers, don't give it away. Uh, knock on the cabin, Vince, walk on into Dead Rabbit Command. Vince has actually suggested a lot of stories to us. He sent the one over about the, um... The earthquake that keeps happening in Mexico on the particular day. I'll put the episode in the show notes, it was a really weird one. Vince, thanks for sending that over and thanks for supporting the show. Vince, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. And also, let's take a look at this awesome submission for Fan Art Friday. This comes from Still Noited. Still Noited. It's an interesting take on both the Ash Black Dead Rabbit Radio logo and the Grant Scott Dead Rabbit Radio logo with the as-above-so-below pose. It's fantastic. This is so awesome. I love getting this stuff from you guys. Thank you so much, Still Noited, for sending this on over. Really, really appreciate it. Vince, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Everyone grab onto Vince's waist as he jumps off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command. Glide us all the way out to Florida. Specifically, we're headed out to a place known as Callahan, Florida. It's August 26th, 1974. It's 9 p.m. at night. And we're about to join two friends. Two friends. One of them is Linda Stallmaker. and then her buddy, who she doesn't name. She talk about, talk about being in the friend zone. You don't even get a name during your paranormal encounter. She's just like, oh, he was just a friend. We're going to go in and call him Bobby. So Lydia and Bobby are driving from Jacksonville to Callahan. Just friends. And on this journey, they see a bright flashing light flying right above the tree line now they're headed to callahan i'm sure they had plans nine 9 p.m is pretty early in the night i mean you still got a lot of stuff to do maybe they were going clubbing maybe they're going to a coffee shop we don't know but whatever your plans were whatever they were if you see a ufo maybe maybe that's your plans for the night Maybe you've decided to be like, well, you know, we can catch Goldfinger in concert another week. We just saw a UFO flyby. Let's follow that. So that's what Lydia and Bobby do. They decide to follow the light. And when they see it dip below the tree line, they can kind of figure out where it may have landed. So Bobby is continuing to drive towards this light. But as they get closer to where this thing may have landed, Lydia begins to... Feel cold. She feels the temperature drop around her, and now she's actually starting to shake. It's so cold; her entire body is beginning to shiver, and she asks Bobby to turn around, turn the car around. I, I, I don't have a good feeling about this. Can you please turn around? And Bobby does, and then are headed in the opposite direction. But it's too late. Lydia is continuing to shake and shiver. And it begins to feel like she's being smothered. She can't catch her breath. Something physiological is happening to her. She's in full panic mode at this point. A moment passes, and all of the physical sensations are gone. Lydia no longer feels like she's being suffocated. She's no longer shaking. She's no longer cold. Bobby is driving down a completely different road than they were on just a second ago. Now he's on a completely different road, headed home. It's 12 a.m. Neither of them have any memories of what happened in that three-hour time period. Zero. They don't know what happened. And how would you even be able to start to quantify that? We cover a lot of missing time. It's fairly common in UFO accounts, and this is no exception. For the next few days, though, Lydia begins to feel physically ill. She's suffering extreme headaches. She can't concentrate at work. She's emotionally unstable. Ah, ah, She's kicking stuff. She works at a daycare center. She's kicking the kids over. She goes, I can't do this anymore. Emotionally unstable, physically sick. It's affecting her job and her personal life. She doesn't know what to do. And she kind of thinks this could be connected to what might have happened that night. They saw the light, and the next thing they know, they're driving in the other direction. So she calls up Bobby to see if he's experiencing any side effects. Bobby doesn't pick up the phone. In fact, she never saw Bobby again. Now, according to this account, they were friends. I made a couple jokes about them dating earlier. I don't know if they were casual friends, if they were lifelong friends, if he actually was pining over Lydia. I don't know of any of that (laughs) stuff, even though I made several jokes about it. I don't know what the relationship status was. But, I mean, if it was a casual friendship, she had met him three weeks previous. The fact that he ghosted her, well, whatever... But if they were friends any longer, then it would be weird to just lose contact with one of your friends. She's never seen him since. Like She tries calling him a couple times, tries figuring out if he is also ill. And to this day, to this day, she's never seen Bobby again. But let's go back to this narrative here. We'll catch up to the modern day in a moment. We're still back in 1974. Well, actually, at this point, it's spring 1975. And Lydia can still not get her act together. She's still, she's no longer thrown up every morning. But she still feels like something must have happened to her on that journey. and She can't figure out what it is. So she begins to see a professional. She begins to see like a psychiatrist for what could have happened. And they put her under. They use hypnosis to see, well, let's see if we can recover any memories. She says what she remembered was that they did find the spacecraft, and it had landed. They see the spacecraft, and it has touched down. What's interesting is, remember the car turned around, and that's when she started feeling suffocated, and time seemed to stop. So it's interesting, even when they turned around, were they then headed in the right direction? Did they turn around at all in that moment? Like What was mentally going on? We don't know, like, that memory itself is odd, but they did come across the UFO, it was landed, and she felt compelled to board the spacecraft. She got out of the car and began walking towards this landed UFO, and she doesn't give any description of the aliens, She just refers to them as aliens, which would make us think they were human or humanoid. Most likely, Pleiadians would be my guess. That's the most humanoid of alien species. But again, we've classified, like in UFOology. there's basically like five major classifications. But who knows? Like, if you believe in the alien phenomenon, I don't think it can just be like, these are the Pleiadians, these are the reptilians, these are the insectoids. There's pretty countless possible species out there. Anyway, she comes across these humanoids. She walks aboard this ship. They strap her down to a table, and it's basically this rotating... It wasn't, it wasn't rotating when they strapped her down. They waited till she was secure, but imagine two gurneys, two of those, like, medical gurneys, And they're basically fused together at the top and she's laying down on one of them and she's strapped down and all the gurney that is, you know, on top. Oh my God, I wish I could just draw a picture. I wish this was a video podcast. Imagine if you had two gurneys pressed together and you had a person laying foot to head on one and then the other person was laying foot to head on theirs and your heads were facing the same direction. And this is a device. And once they're in, once they're strapped down to this table, once Lydia, because the one woman is already on the table, strapped down. Now they're strapping Lydia down. And then they put this device that enclosed both of their heads together. I'm not even going to try to describe that. It was like some sort of glass thing. And the two tables begin spinning. And Lydia passes out. Lydia said she started to come to as the tables were slowing down. And as the tables were slowing down, she felt this warm sensation pass through her, starting at the top of her head and pass through her entire body down to her feet. And at that point, the device over her head that is also attached to this other woman's head is removed. And Lydia is told that the other woman strapped to that gurney is antron (laughs) it's like who's antron i don't know i'm human is that some like pop superstar on your planet they go "No, no no antron is just one of us she's this alien and her consciousness has been transferred into your body and she will be a part of your body for a period of time you will host the consciousness of this alien And the aliens around her, Lydia said, they seemed very pleased that the experiment went well. I imagine these things can go south, no matter how advanced your technology is. Every so often, you're going to drop the vial. They were very pleased that this went well. They help Lydia up off the gurney. She begins walking back to the car. She sees Bobby in the car. Bobby never left. He was passed out in the car. And she sees the car, she sees Bobby's passed out in the car. The next thing she remembers, they're driving back home. It's an interesting story. I found it on com. They got it from two UFO researchers, a Dr. James Harder and a Dr. Evelyn Brunson. I, I actually don't know if Dr. Evelyn Brunson is specifically a UFO researcher, I wasn't able to clarify that. But Dr. James Harder is. Now, what's interesting is, as a abduction story, that's fairly unique. This is so fascinating to me. We have this woman who has this UFO experience. Now, there's a couple different things you can do with that type of experience. You could never tell anyone. I think that's probably the most common thing. You can use it to kind of change the way you look at the world and realize that we are not alone. You may take it as a social cause. The aliens may tell you something about saving the environment or whatever, and then you just decide to, like, start... Saying get oil, get oil out of here, and all that, or you can become a huckster. Now, I'm not saying that her claims are made up, but when you're when you come in contact with aliens, I definitely understand trying to make money off of it. I don't necessarily agree with it. I mean, if you're writing books, that's fine. You're doing speaking tours, or whatever. But then when you start talking about, I have access to the seven universal truths. Buy my book, and it'll change your life. That's when I'm a little like, you're a huckster. But let's take a look at what happened after this story, after the ThinkAboutDocs.com article. There's a book written by Nigel Watson called Captured by Aliens, A History and Analysis of American Abduction Claims. And in this book, we get a little more information. She says, Lydia says that she was actually gained psychic powers from this transfer. And she tells us that Anton actually came from a green planet in another galaxy. And she traveled around in a glass tube in a spaceship. Basically, she lived in a big jar. This is one of those things that sometimes the less information you have, the better. If you ever get abducted by aliens and you have all of this, this really cool story to share with the world, but then it also turns out that the aliens eat farts, don't tell people that. Just keep that to yourself. Keep that to yourself. And the thing is, is that in 1974, the idea of intergalactic aliens, right? Like nowadays, that sound it's hard enough to fly across the galaxy with modern UFO lore. Even if you'd have to get into interdimensional stuff, which a lot of alien purists don't do that. They talk about the aliens evolved on another planet. They're coming here. From another galaxy is even more ridiculous. Flying around in a glass jar. She wasn't, her ship wasn't like an old mason jar. But you know what I mean? Like, you, you sometimes just leave details out, is what I'm saying. If you if you ever get abducted by aliens, leave out the goofier details. And then, she says, you know, Anton was in my body. She was too powerful. And I eventually had to just go with the flow. Because when I was fighting it, it was making it worse. I retreated into my own mind and then eventually came to terms with all of it. And then I found this tiny article um, in the United Press International. It was just kind of a wire service talking about uh, Lydia's story. She has gone on speaking tours, which is pretty normal. And she declares herself as I am one. This is a quote from her quote. I am one of the five most documented UFO abduction cases in the United States. Have you ever heard of her before? That, I thought that was super interesting. I read that. That may or may not be true. I mean, you figure Betty and Barney Hill. You figure uh, uh, Whitley Stryber. um, Fire in the Sky guy. I forgot what his name was. uh, Travis. What was it? uh, Let me look it up. Travis Walton, right? And two others. Like (laughs) or Lydia, Travis Walton, Betty and Barney Hill, Whitley Stryber. And then one more. I've never heard of her before. And I'm not saying that that she could totally be right. She could totally be right. At the time, she was one of the five most documented... Like, she was legit. She was one of the biggies. And that totally could be true. There's a ton of stuff I've never heard of. That's why I have a podcast that's over a thousand episodes of stuff I've never heard of. I'm discovering this stuff for the first time just like you are. Or maybe you know know about her. You're like, Jason, no, she's super popular. How did you not know about her? It's kind of ruining your, your reputation. Um, I've never heard of her, and I think I know why. Because you gotta watch what you do. You gotta watch... I I honestly believe that she probably had this encounter. I'm not poo-pooing anything that she's saying. I don't think that it was fake. It could be, but I don't... I'm not getting that read on it. The problem is, is that she went to Huckstery. She started to sell the secret. Like, you know, Whitley Schreiber wrote books and did speaking tours, and people expect witnesses, people expect abduction experiencers to do stuff like that. But when you start talking about the seven powers of God, and you're selling this secret formula to open up your life... For the better. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with self-help stuff. But you understand like that division. Like Travis Walton wasn't running around saying, I found out the secrets of the universe. I mean, he did. They're basically, those aliens were pretty brutal. They're trying to cut them open. Betty and Barney Hill weren't saying, oh, we know all of this stuff. And if you buy our water, if you buy the water out of our radiator in our car... It will heal your wounds. That's the car that the aliens up. There's a difference there. There really is a difference there. And we really, the last piece of information I could find on Lydia cements the end of her saga. This would pretty much just be the end of any story. There was an ad in the Weekly World News, which, sorry to say, is no longer in production. I think their website is still chug, chugging along. But Weekly World News was one of those tabloids you used to see the. Grocery store and it had headlines like "Bat Boy runs for president, skeletons on the moon. We've actually covered angels in space. We've covered stories from Weekly World News that have entered into paranormal culture. They're totally made up. The angels in space is probably the most famous one. I saw that on the internet as a legit paranormal phenomenon and traced it back to the Weekly World News. And I was like, I wasted an hour on this. I wasted an hour. We did the episode on it. It was fun. But I was like, I remember when I first saw that story, it was on a paranormal website. I was like, wow, that's totally awesome. And then when I went to do more research for the podcast, I was like, wow, what a waste of time. It's not true. And you'll still see it pop up. Weekly World News. I loved it. I read it all the time as a kid. It's great as a fictional newspaper, but in real life, it's made up stuff. And And Lydia was buying ads in that newspaper. It's not a good look. And in the ads, she was selling, there was this ad from February 10th, 1981, where she is selling the cross of Antron. She says that Antron, she talks about this alien experience, and I'm sure she probably did. I'm sure people in 1981, when they saw her name, they would remember her. She's one of the fifth most documented UFOs. I don't know if that claims true, but let's just assume that it is, right? You'd recognize her name. She says that Antron told her that God was real. And gave her the design for the Cross of Antron. It's basically a little crucifix- It's a cross on a necklace. But it has pyramid designs on it. It's not just a normal cross. It has these pyramid designs. And in the middle there's this oval. And, I mean, listen. This may have come from an alien. She may not have had any choice at what this looked like. But obviously, if you're selling something called the Cross of Antron you're Talking about God being real, you're, the, you're selling it to Christians. It looks like a cross, you're selling it to Christians. It's probably not a good idea, or more specifically, Christians who believe in aliens. So you have a fairly small market. It's probably not a good idea that in your cross that an alien gave you, in the design, there's also an upside-down cross inside, and there's like an S. It's quite complicated, and most Christians are not going to buy a cross that part of it is an upside-down cross, right? That's just kind of logical. Now, you could argue, Jason, it's an alien designed it. An alien designed it. It contains the power of Antron. Well, I'll, I will accept that Lydia's experience is real. Like, that definitely could have happened. And this alien could have given her a cross. But don't, if you're trying to sell it... Maybe maybe erase that part. You're like, oh, the alien got this part wrong. Squiggle, squiggle, squiggle. Here's a new one. I don't believe the cross is real. I don't believe the alien actually gave her the cross. That's my thing. I think at this point she was trying to sell the seven powers of God. She was trying to sell this new lifestyle, this new hippy-dippy nonsense. I could be wrong. Maybe the alien gave her the seven powers of God and gave her the cross, but whatever, whether or not she made it up or the alien gave it to her, she is as far, I mean, again, I had a hard time finding information on her. It wasn't impossible. I did find all this stuff. You're like, Jason, you found a bunch of stuff on her. You're like, quote, books, stuff like that. Obviously, if I typed in Whitley Stryber or Betty and Barney Hill, I'm going to find a lot more. I think you can actually ruin your reputation as an experiencer. Not if you try to make money off of it, but if you try to make the wrong kind of money off of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's good and bad ways to exploit your experience. And you kind of have to navigate that. Like, again, Whitley Stryber can write book after book about it and sell the movie rights and all that stuff. It's totally fine. I'm not saying, you know, the game is to be sold, not to be told. You do have an ability to make money off your experience, but... You've got to be careful because if people smell a scam, even if an alien was like, here, give this cross to your people, it'll bring them peace. It'll show them the seven powers of God. If people smell a scam, they'll run away. You might get a small dedicated cult maybe following you. But I think it did. I think she these decisions she made ended up, she may have been a super famous alien abductee back in the day, but it just got too weird. And it started to smell like a scam. And and you got enough of that running around in the paranormal community, right? Fake ghost hunters, it's quite harmless. Fake ghost hunting's quite harmless. People who lie about being abducted by aliens, again, it's quite harmless. But when something starts to smell like a money-making venture, at best, and at worst, the start of a cult, people will shun you from the general community. So anyway, it's a very interesting story. The UFO story is interesting, and the... The aftermath to it as well. <laughs> Where's Bobby? Where's Bobby at? Who knows where Bobby is? But a fascinating story nonetheless. And I don't know if she's still around. Like I, I was able to find little scraps, little bits about her. But an interesting story nonetheless. Vince, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We are saying goodbye to Lydia. She's waving to us. She's like, "You guys, sure you don't want to know the seven powers of God?" We're like, "I think we can probably figure them out." Love your neighbor. <laughs> Love your neighbor. Do unto others as they would have done unto you. She's like, Oh, did you get attacked by aliens? How'd you know that stuff? We're like, uh. Just fly us out, fly us out of Florida. We're leaving that state behind. Take us all the way out to a house in the suburbs. <laughs> This is a story that I found online. We don't have a specific location for it. It could take place in any house. Possibly yours. It's possible that you are the person who we're going to call Sheila. We don't have her actual name. We're going to go ahead and call her Sheila. Online, she goes by the name T-Darn 96. But we're going to go ahead and call her Sheila. Back in fall of 2021, her older brother passed away. He had a heart attack. He was quite a young man. And he died of a heart attack. And she goes, you know, there was a seven-year age difference between us. And we weren't super close. Not just because of the age difference. That did play a factor. But we had different dads. We had different dads. So that, you know, obviously my dad had issues with him. It was a very toxic home environment for all of us. And... My brother had bipolar disorder, and it was not diagnosed until it was too late. He began using drugs in the sixth grade. And a lot of times, you know, you're trying to self-medicate. You don't know what's wrong with you. It Hasn't been diagnosed, you begin to self-medicate. He begins using drugs in the sixth grade, man. That's super rough. Well, in fall of 2021, he passed away. And, you know, obviously, Sheila had a lot of... She's grieving, but she also has a lot of... It would be a crockpot full of emotions you'd be kind of angry you'd be sad you'd be angry at your parents that you didn't have a good relationship with your brother you'd have be angry at your brother because he died you'd be angry at your brother because of the choices he had made that kept you guys apart like it's just this huge cauldron of stuff huge cauldron of stuff you, that you need to work through after he passed away let's call the brother Tony i don't think we should give this guy a name after tony passed away She ended up talking to a mutual friend. And this friend said, listen, you know, Tony, Tony confided in me. He wanted to have a better relationship with you. He really wished that you guys were closer, but he didn't know how to bridge that gap. He didn't know how to reach out to you. He wanted to be closer with you for years, but definitely as you guys are becoming adults, it's even more important. At some point in life, siblings go from hating each other's guts to being like, oh, you know, this is my best friend. Like, it's weird. And it doesn't happen until, like, your 20s, until everyone's, like, older. When you're like, wow, we made it. We're brothers together. And I can definitely understand Tony being outside the family looking in and wishing he was part of it. But when you start using drugs in the sixth grade, when you have undiagnosed mental problems, it makes it hard. And that's just the stuff on the surface. Again, different dads, who knows how many fights they got into that house, how many arguments, how many ridiculous screaming matches over inane things, and now Tony's dead. All those fights are over. But you remember every one of those fights. And it breaks your heart when you think about it. You were yelling at a, at a young man who was never going to make it to be an old man. It's quite tragic. And the friend goes, you know, Tony wanted to be very close to you, but he always just felt like an outsider to the whole family. He never felt like he belonged. So it wasn't just a matter of being able to reach out to you. It's like, how do you even start that process when you feel like you're not part of the family, that Tony's not part of the family? He sees, you know, it's just this huge thing. Tony has all these emotional scars. Sheila has all these emotional scars. But he has a home with Sheila now. Now that he has passed away, Sheila has his ashes in an urn and his old high school jersey. She has them in this place. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if the jersey's hung up or something like that. I don't think it's just hanging off the mantle of the fireplace. But she has this place in her home. If Tony couldn't be part of her life, in life she was going to make sure he always had a place now that he'd passed on he would have a home now with her but this is so this is such a bizarre story this is such a bizarre story and i and i, I this okay let me let, let me finish this up because i i interpret this story completely different than Sheila does. And one of these versions. Okay, let's get in. Let's get into this. He passed away in fall of twenty twenty one. There's been this urn of his ashes and his jersey in Sheila's house. Probably shortly after that, right? He probably wasn't in some storage center, but I don't know. Maybe she did recently get the urn and the jersey. She doesn't say. But anyways, I like how the beginning is all this touching melodrama where I'm really kind of trying to lay the groundwork for how. Tormented this young man must have been, and now I can't say a sentence without giggling, cause this is just so weird. I kind of gave it away in the intro, but let's get let's get to this so Sheila's married now, Sheila's married for the past couple months when her husband well, I don't think this happens every single time, but it might cause it just says when her husband is walking near the urn. he will hear an ear-splittingly loud scream. And he can clearly tell it's the sound of a man screaming, which I'll tell you is ten times more terrifying than a woman screaming. Because we've been desensitized to the scream of a woman through horror movies and when women get really excited, they scream right in your ear, even though you're literally like six inches away from them. You, you basically have to start tuning it out at a certain point. But when's the last time you heard in real life a man scream? When's the last time you heard in a movie a man scream? It's incredibly terrifying when you hear a man scream. Something's seriously wrong. It's it's creepy. Because you never hear it. You never hear it in media. You never hear it in real life. He's walking by this urn, and he hears a man screaming. And it says, look here, it says, when the husband is near the items, he will randomly hear a Loud male scream, so it's not every single time because otherwise she would just be like, Okay, I won't walk near that. He's all super thirsty, he's all dehydrated. And the and Sheila puts out a little mini fridge of water. She's like, Oh, I'm car-. She's carrying it through the house. She's like, Oh, my arms are tired. I'm gonna set it right by this urn. The husband's like, No, he's all wearing earplugs. He will walk, so it doesn't happen every single time, but randomly he hears the sound. Of a male screaming at the top of his lungs. Right in his ear. And it obviously terrifies this poor husband. It would be the the scariest thing. Now I'm saying if I was walking through a house and I heard a disembodied woman scream. It's not like I would be like, "Oh, I'm used to that. It would still kind of put me on edge if I heard a woman screaming in my own house. And there was no reason. There was no woman here. There's no reason for me to hear it. That would obviously be upsetting, right? I'm not saying I'd be okay with that. But there is something different when you hear a man scream because you never hear it. And if a man's screaming in your ear, that's even worse. And if the man is dead, it's a ghost. It's a ghost screaming at the husband. And this is so interesting to me because I read this story. And she goes, yeah, my husband's completely terrified about this. I don't know. What it is, but she says, I think it's my brother. I think it's my brother trying to communicate with me. Sheila goes, I think my brother's trying to communicate with me. She went "Oh, because her husband just heard this the other day before she posted this. She says, I went over to the urn, and I said all the things I've been wanting to say to him. All the stuff that I've wanted to tell Tony... Before he died, and now that he's died, I needed to get all this stuff off my chest. I needed him to hear it, and I needed to hear myself say it. And I'm just sobbing, and I have a good cry over this whole thing, but I needed to get all this stuff off my chest, and I needed him to know this. And she said, I felt really good after I did it. It felt so good to let all that emotion out. And she says, if this is his way of letting me know he wants to talk to me, I will talk more often. I will visit the urn on a regular basis and have these conversations with my brother. And she titled this post, I think my dead brother is trying to communicate with me. And that's how she sees this story. She sees it as a message. But I don't... This is... So, okay, so I'm going to be totally honest. Like, this is... I talked recently about... If somebody tells me that they, they had a dream that a loved one... A loved one had recently passed and they had a dream and they came to him and said... um. I love you, I wanted to say I love you one more time, and you I hope you have a good life and all that stuff, and, and then they fade away. I don't discount those ghost stories. I won't ever say I don't believe that happened. If someone tells me, if someone's personally talking to me about a ghost story where they saw a loved one standing at the end of a hallway, going, don't worry about me, Jimmy, there's nothing but a lot of fish to catch on the other side, don't worry about me, old old Grandpa Chuck. Be I'll be catching fish forever, and then he fades away. I'm not going to be like, "Well, did you did you check your carbon monoxide detector?" I think you might actually have been hallucinating. for For a couple reasons, one, I believe in ghosts, but I even know people who don't believe in ghosts who don't invalidate those stories because that's a very that's a deeply personal story. You're not going to be like, "Well, that was just a trick of the light." Your grandpa is rotting in a grave somewhere, and the worms are eating him. Maybe someday a fish will eat that worm. But uh, you're making that up or you're mentally ill. And with this story, it's it's a tricky one because I don't, I love that she was able to get all this stuff off of her chest. I love that she was able to talk to Tony. That's, that's heartwarming. And it was definitely needed, if not for Tony, for Sheila. She needed to say this stuff out loud. I totally understand that. As a paranormal researcher, my take is, and here's the thing, who cares about my take? Right? Who cares? My take is, I read something online and I'm giving my opinion. If I'm wrong, that's totally fine. She doesn't have to believe in anything I'm about to say. But I will say this. This this is pretty creepy. The fact that her husband is hearing the screaming. That it... Manifests as a screaming if Sheila takes this takes the fact that her husband is having a man scream in her ear as the ghost trying to communicate with her i that i I just don't. I'm glad that she was able to get this stuff off of her chest, but I don't know if that's what this voice actually wants. You know what I mean? Like, it's such an interesting... Grief is complicated. Grief is incredibly complicated. And it's such a horrible emotion to go through. And it's necessary. It's part of the human condition. But So I'm not saying that she's wrong. But, listen, man. Like, I... (laughs) There are two types of ghosts. We talk all about different types of paranormal phenomena, but at the end of the day, there's two types. They're scary and not scary. On a basic level, if you woke up in the middle of the night and your grandpa's standing at the end of the hallway and goes, Listen, Johnny, I died, but here I am. I'm back from the dead to tell you, don't worry about good old gramps. I'm gonna go fishing. (laughs) That's what what every ghost does. They go fishing no matter what. Some little kid dies. He's like, I guess I'm a fisherman now. I'm gonna go fishing in heaven. I got the pole. It reaches down from the clouds. I'm gonna catch a killer whale. (laughs) I'm I'm an angel. I'm super strong. I can wrestle giant squids. I'm gonna kill a couple of those tonight. Being dead's awesome. Johnny, you should try it. Join me. (laughs) Join me on the other side. See, that's the difference between... That that was that was basically a non-scary ghost that turned into a bad ghost. I kind of ruined my own example. What I'm saying is if you woke up in the middle of the night and you saw a ghost of a dead loved one, that is, on just a basic level, creepy. That's scary. You wake up and you see your dead relative standing at the edge of your bed. But then they say... <laughs> I'm not try not to make any jokes this time. I want to have a good example. You wake up, there's a dead relative at the edge of your bed, and they go... I'm on the other side now. Everything's perfect. (laughs) Puts on a fisherman's hat. You're like, what? Mom, you never fished. She's like, I do now. Uh, uh, Ghosts in and of themselves are spooky. But but when you sit back and think about the ghost, you go, well, that ghost wasn't trying to scare me. Yes, it is scary to think that while I'm sleeping, there's someone standing over my bed. That's just creepy in general. But then when you wake up and (laughs) realize they just want to go fishing. That's not spooky. And then if you woke up in the middle of the night and there was a ghost to the edge of your bed, but it was like a little girl. You don't know any little girls who've died recently. And you just see the top of her head. She's kind of like ducked down. So you look at the foot of your bed and you see like a top of a little girl's head. And then she slowly is like rising up and her eyeballs are gone. Just dark sockets staring at you. And she starts going like, ring around the rosy. That's a scary ghost. That's scary, <laughs> even if you didn't know a little girl who died recently. Even if your niece died in a horrible fishing related accident, she was it was super weird. A, a giant killer whale got sucked out of the ocean and flew into the clouds, knocked over this boat, killed this little girl. Even if you knew a little girl who died, even if she was a relative of yours, she doesn't need to be hiding at the edge of your bed singing nursery rhymes with no eyeballs. There's scary ghosts and there's not scary ghosts. Even though ghosts in and of themselves are scary, some act in scary ways. <laughs> For example, screaming. For example, screaming right in somebody's ear at the top of their lungs. That's spooky. That's a terrifying manifestation of a spirit. I. It's such an interesting story. Like, what is the phenomenon that's going on here? Why is it only affecting the husband? It, and here's, here's my take. we got to wrap this up because I'll go on for hours about this thing. I find this so interesting. But what I think's interesting is that I'm trying to think. There was a story or stories that I've read in the past. This is all starting, you know, I've just done so much reading over the decades about this stuff. Where at a certain point, Sheila is going to have to think if the ghost of my brother is screaming in my husband's ear. There might be something wrong with my husband. I don't know if we've ever covered a story like that on the podcast. We might have. One of you guys will remember if we did. But I've come across stuff like that in the literature and the lore over the years. Where a ghost is trying to warn the living about threats of other people who are still alive. That's what I'm thinking. Here's the thing. This is either a good ghost appearing in a scary way to scare the husband off. Or this is a bad ghost slowly beginning to manifest into this couple's lives. It. I guess there's a third one where this actually is the spirit of Tony. And for whatever reason, he can't communicate directly with Sheila. <laughs> he can only communicate in screams from beyond. It's possible, right? The world of paranormal. Anything's possible. But I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that this is either Tony trying to ward off the husband. He knows something that Sheila doesn't know. Or that this is some sort of malevolent spirit that is slowly taking shape in this house. Tony may off, be off in paradise already, right? Tony may have passed away and moved on. And this is something using that grief and that anger And it's after Sheila. It's coming after Sheila. And that's why it's manifesting as this scream. Because it is a dark force. Fascinating. Super fascinating story. I mean this was just posted not too long ago. We are knee deep in this phenomenon. It was posted about 16 days ago from now. It's posted on January 20th. So most likely we'll never hear an update whether it's good or bad it will probably won't see an update pop up later people just kind of go on with their lives if stuff starts to get dark it's not like she's going to run to the internet and be like oh i have to lose <laughs> stuff's floating around her keyboard's floating around she's like hey i'm trying to post here i mean that stuff would have to get really bad for her to to do an update most of the stuff she's just posting on random stuff online um I would be super cautious. But again, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, if your husband, I don't think earplugs are actually going to help. It's a scream from beyond the grave. But do you move the urn? Like, do you move it out of the way so he doesn't have to walk by it so much? Do you disrespect the remains to respect your husband? I don't know. It's a super interesting case and we don't know which direction it's going to go and we don't know how this is going to play out because it's happening right now <laughs> as you're listening to this episode in the comfort of your own home or car there's a man somewhere getting yelled at by a, by a ghost by the ghost of a dead brother and is it a playful yell is it trying to get attention so he can talk to sheila or is it a scream of the pain that this husband will sue endure himself. Who knows? It's such a fascinating ghost story and a perfect way to end this week. And one more treat for you guys. A custom outro theme song. A custom version of Bella Royale by Blue Synth, Patreon supporter and active member of the Patreon Discord. Here we go with a custom remix of Bella Royale to send you guys off to have an awesome weekend. DeadRabberRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabberradio. TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Oh, shit. Here comes Batman.